2: john thank you for coming to the show
1: my pleasure always always a pleasure to talk to you about
2: our common love exactly well that's the thing is is you know obviously you're known for being an incredible drummer and you're obviously known for all the comedy stuff but i think lesser known is the fact that you are one of the most knowledgeable people about music that i've ever met ever anywhere not to I, put too much I, on you
1: <laughs> i i, I for the longest time, I thought I wasted my my uh, teens and my twenties just reading magazines and books, but it's paying off now.
2: Well, I tell you, like it, it's inspirational for me, like watching you go on a tour and actually doing like the field legwork to go to these places and see these like actual location that this stuff took place at. I, I'm, uh, you know, that's 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 driving me. That's driving my archival knowledge as well.
1: Well, I'm gonna throw the gauntlet down. I I, I challenge you to find a, a more worthless endeavor than than spending your day off in Pittsburgh finding the gas station that stands where the theater that the Sex Pistols were supposed to play their first U.S. show stood the show was canceled of course but I, I, I went there
2: that is amazing that was going to be the first show
1: homestead pa i have no idea why it was picked they printed tickets even wow crazy yeah and and then they that didn't happen and and they went to uh atlanta
2: yeah it's so weird. like the the weirdest (laughs) routing like i guess they were flying but someone had to drive that stuff yeah (laughs) yeah i I, uh oh but but
1: here here's some weird rock and roll weirdness the guy that was their tour manager uh noel monk he was i think he was like a a Warner brothers affiliated guy does the tour wrote a great book about it called 12 days on the road. And, uh, and then his next gig, he was kind of rewarded for putting up with the sex pistols on this tour with his next gig, which was Van Halen, who he ended up managing for for their entire run.
2: (laughs) Wow. The Van Halen punk connections, like a lot of that stuff came out after Eddie's passing, but you know, it's, it's, they were really tied in.
1: And that, that, thing that i didn't know in, until very recently that the the straight the guitar thing was pretty much what what chip kinman was doing in uh i'm sorry t- uh yeah yeah chip kinman in, in the dills was uh he, he had a guitar that looked just like that before eddie van halen isn't that wild
2: i had no idea about that i never made that connection but that makes complete sense because i guess they would have like you've seen the flyers like they played with the ramones and then when lauren from the dogs was on the podcast recently he talked about how they used to play together all the time with van halen so they would have been in the scene yep yeah on some level well we get to talk today about uh people that actually saw the sex pistols live at at some of these shows because the go-go's the foo fighters and i'm going to throw todd ruggren as well going in there this year and we have like a, a pretty strong punk class for this year's hall of fame
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And this is not even including like kill Scott Heron, who, who's, who was punk, Charlie Patton yep. punk, you know? So, but we're talking, we're talking as Byron Coley would say the P rock. So the let's, self-identified. Let's yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. Like I, I, I kind of, you're right. There are definitely people that are punk in attitude, but these are the people that, you know, maybe not so much with Todd Rundgren but certainly with the go-go's and with the Foo Fighters, like all of these people, uh, identified yep. at one point as being punk,
1: I'm just I'm just glad that that uh, at, as with uh, with the MC5, the MC5 doesn't get in, but their <laughs> producer John Landau does, and, and uh, but of course it, it is John Landau's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so he 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 calls the shots, and the dolls don't get in, but Todd yeah.
2: Rundgren does. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's better to be the producer. You always just want to get right. points off the record, not make the Fun- record.
1: Fun fact: My mother and Todd Rundgren went to the same high school and graduated at the Tower Theater.
2: Whoa! Where ceremonies were. Isn't that crazy? That is very bizarre. Like,
1: yeah,
2: like did would been different times, I imagine.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom was in the uh, in the fifties somewhere.
2: Yeah, because he he definitely is a, you know, like I I think he was one of the first people I I remember kind of putting a face to a name of. From records because he was in every music documentary that came out in the mid nineties. Yes. Like yeah. He he was always the head they went to when they had to talk someone from the dolls. They're like, eh, let's just let's talk to Todd again.
1: Yeah, yeah. They were okay, they couldn't play, but you know, I mean he's 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 a wild guy himself. I mean, he's this is a guy is a guy that has done his own thing his entire life.
2: Yeah. It's you know? It's wild when you look at who's not in there, you know, and that's when it becomes like, like you're saying the Dolls, the MC5, Bad Brains didn't get in, and it seems like Devo. You, Devo, Devo didn't get in. Oh yeah, Devo didn't get in this year. No, yeah. that is it's 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 such a weird thing where you're like, okay, well, this is the best music ever, and all this stuff yeah. that failed to get in during this little one window they had, it's not really up on the level.
1: And they had a genuine hit record too.
2: Yeah. Know? yeah and like it's it's arguable that they might have changed music more than just about any artist connected to punk or new wave
1: yeah Kraftwerk too I mean Kraftwerk's such an influential band but they did get in right did I did they get in this year they got a special uh, it's like a special I think no
2: I think they they got I think they got a special commendation or something there was like another set yeah Yeah. but Fela didn't get in Fela Cootie you know a guy who to find a to right. find music from a from like a whole part of the world and and sorry not this yeah. year buddy let's talk go Go's.
1: my one of my crucial bands from my youth they,
2: they are, got in which is so nice then they, they got to be like uh, you know for my money one of the first you know punk rock supergroups. that's a that's a flag i've been waving recently because you know by the time they're already doing the go-go's a bunch of them are already kind of like experienced musicians. Like Kathy Valentine's already been in three bands and toured.
1: Yep. Um, Charlotte was in the eyes with, uh, with DJ Jane Drano. It's the greatest name ever.
2: She, she she also like, have you gone back and reread all those like oral history of punk books? they're it's amazing how much they're in like we got the oh, neutron yeah. bomb and and uh, what we do is secret
1: oh yeah they were they were they were there i mean they were they were they were at ground zero and just what's what's so great about them is that yeah completely from that that weirdo punk world but they could write songs mm-hmm. and you know i mean that's why we're talking that's why we talk about all the great bands they had great songs and it's just it, it's so cool that, like, these I'm gonna call them urchins, but like, but you know, these were like, these were like gutter, <laughs> gutter kind of kids, and they ended up writing these amazing songs that we still talk about today.
2: Yeah, like, and I think people always, not always, but like, there's definitely like a, a tendency to underrate them as songwriters. But you have the fact is, you've got like three are four unbelievable songwriters in this band, and any one of them could yeah. write, like, you know, and we're writing classic songs, like a bunch of these songs they're bringing from other bands.
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: And
1: Gina Shock, one, I, I think one of the greatest rock and roll drummers of all time, definitely in my top, top 10 influences. I think she's just incredible. And and she, I think she's what made them the great band that they were just in, in terms of like a band being a, a musical unit.
2: Mm-hmm. No, they are, they are, uh, you know, such a, such an important band. And also they beat the damned to doing Chiswick and Stiff. You know, doing doing both labels, having right. both labels come together, right? Yes. So that and, is... and...
1: go on. Oh, oh, I, I was going to say, um, and you know, for them to have have the, uh, I don't, uh, this is the the worst possible word, the balls to go on the on those tours, you know, with madness o- over in the UK or the specials, where playing to like just hardcore skinhead dudes every night and just taking whatever they were throwing at them. I mean, that's, that's pretty punk. I mean, that's, that's incredibly respectable.
2: Oh yeah. Like that audience, like we've been actually talking about this a lot on, on footnotes recently, Chris O'Toole and I, because that audience for the specials and madness at that point must have just been the worst, you know, like Nazi ska punk, fans or nazi skinhead scoff fans. are it seems like seems like something from a sci-fi movie yeah yeah <laughs> the worst of all worlds the worst of every <laughs> world come together no one being <laughs> and they're and then also it's it's still at the point where like it's punk right and all these kids saw punk on tv so they're going out and spitting at the bands as well like it just seems those tours yeah. must have not been not been very fun yeah yeah just bad news but it's also amazing when you kind of like think about all the different lives they have, even as a band, right? Like they're they're an LA punk band, then they're kind of this like UK new wave band as this stuff's exploding over there, and then they come mm-hmm. back to America and and change pop music forever.
1: Yeah, yeah, I um, I got to see them on every tour, um, oh, and they were great. I, I saw them uh, this this incredible festival i think we probably talked about uh, it was the day after my first ever gig i played a pl- played a, a backyard party with with hair club for men my first band a- and uh the next day we all all went down to this racetrack outside of philly so this is, this is august of 81 and um uh police headlined uh the specials maybe three weeks before they broke up um Go's. Boingo, boingo, and and opening the coasters.
2: Oh wow! What (laughs) i I don't think we talked about this.
1: I I I didn't find out until decades later. The reason the coast the coasters were were on the bill and they came out in these like green satin jackets, like like they just played, you know, they're on the road. It turned out they played Miles Copeland's wedding, I think, the day before. (laughs) <laughs> uh in n- new york so so i never knew like all these people were probably just massively hung over at this show a- and uh so i guess i guess the coasters uh part of their deal was they folded in this gig opening for all these new wave bands the next day
2: so this must have been a package tour because then the police came up here with pretty much the same lineup and did the police picnic the, in toronto
1: the next day i think i think it was the next day
2: oh wow so they i didn't know yeah. they did other shows around this thing
1: I think it was just those two shows. The show in Philly was their only U.S. show that summer, and I assume it was the same in in Toronto.
2: Yeah, and the show in Toronto is also kind of legendary because there's also you know in the same way, not necessarily the coasters, but there's definitely like Nash the Slash and I believe Desperate right. Measures and like all these sort of like local, you know, Canadian Toronto New Wave bands also got yeah. thrown on that bill. But how did they go over that show? Were they were they were already did they already have a hit by that point? Yeah, they did. Gogos. Yeah. It was just taking off. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they went over well. Definitely, yeah. And, and the specials
2: were just incredible. They were so good, yeah. Because they did, did they come back and do, because I think they did a second police picnic in Toronto. Did they do a second one in Philadelphia or no?
1: Um, No, I saw I saw the police and the Go-Go's in January of, of the next year. Uh, and then uh they didn't they didn't do another one of those then uh so the go-go's the next year with a flock of seagulls <laughs> yeah. um and then with um on the final tour on the talk show tour with uh this is a solid bill. you're gonna die when you hear this uh go-go's in excess opening up the hooters
2: Yes! <laughs> yes yes <laughs> uh, that is that is a very yeah uh well that's like the Hooters is is one of the all-time and there's and they're so regional like the only reason I ever heard of them was because of you on the best show like I'd never yeah never they'd never come up before I I did an interview about two weeks ago with the drummer from the Hooters and
1: he he was a very early influence I don't really get nervous for interviews, but I was nervous for that because I mean he, he's like he, he was a big deal for me, and anyone who's older than me, I'm nervous in front of. Yeah,
2: of course, because <laughs> well, they're they're still adults, and you're just exactly. a kid at that point. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Foo, Foo Fighters now, <laughs> but the drummer for the Hooters, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta work up to this. Yeah,
2: exactly. Well, that's <laughs> but that is a big deal because it's also it seems like the like local bands. It's something that. You know, it has, you have a different relationship to a local band like that, you know, like, and it's the same way, like talking to people, you're going to think this is ridiculous. But the same way when you talk to someone from Bakersfield, California, about corn, Mm -hmm. they just, you grow up with this band. so your relationship to it is completely different than anyone looking at it from the outside. Right, right. It's true. Uh, Did, so after, um, I'm sorry, with the, with the, the Go-Go shows, like at each time was the crowd kind of like. The same, or are they getting like a a different crowd of these shows? Because you got to be like one of the few repeat punk customers the whole way through.
1: Maybe, yeah. I um, um, they were just like my team. That's what that's what I I thought. I still think of them. Like even though I like I I know I know Jane and Kathy now, and like they're part of my my team, my family. Like since Mm -hmm. since since I was fourteen, and they will be till I die. (laughs) And uh, um, but um. I think each time like the time with Block of Seagulls it wasn't a huge turnout it was at the spectrum you know which is the was the big hockey arena and um i would say there's probably like 6000 maybe probably, yeah, it probably held 15 but um so you know it was a uh, vacation was the record they were touring and and that had you know had, had a a hit on it so there was there were young kids there and, and then for for the talk show tour that had had, two, had at least one massive single too. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so that was my memory of that. And because NXS was on it, 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 it was like a a, a melange of, of, of different types. It seemed way more mainstream than the other shows I'd seen in, in terms of, of crowd turnout.
2: It's funny too with NXS because that's a band who obviously like here they, you know, like decidedly kind of like, I don't know. I don't know, like mainstreamy kind of rock, I guess, or something. But like, you look at them in Australia, and it's very similar to the Go Go's. Like, they're they're kind of like much more from a punk world in in like a weird sort of connection way. Like, they're on a Go Go right. Records for their first single, I believe, even or Mushroom Records. At least. Oh,
1: I didn't know that. Wow, I didn't know that. And then wow. there's have
2: you seen the documentary? <laughs> there's a documentary, and it's the Saints are all over it. Like, it's just it's like the, about like his relationship to the Saints for a good fifteen minutes of the documentary. It felt like
1: i've i've seen the one
2: uh, just on him
1: uh i thought this was the the whole band
2: but i was watching on a plane and i was oh there is another
1: one about the band which i have not seen
2: okay that might have been this one that i was watching it was on like a flight to australia so that's why i think it was on the plane but i was on a lot of edibles so my recollection might be a little hazy maybe (laughs) the saints weren't in it at all and i just hallucinated the whole thing
1: maybe though
2: that's cool (laughs) (laughs) um uh where did you kind of hear the gogos for the first time like it was just on the radio
1: i think the the first time i'd heard of them was um uh via dean Queen, who is the drummer for the dead milkman uh he he was a few a few years older than me and he he and he kind of took me under his wing when i was maybe 14 or so And, and uh so he had this this band it was a duo Uh, guitar and drums uh uh, called narthex and they would open for hair club for men at the at these shows that we do at you know at um the local lions club or the you know we the vfw hall that sort of thing and so so um the the other guy in the band was named mike ace his real last name ace and um he was a big singles collector and he had the, the, uh, the stiff single. We got the beat that. So that was the first time I, I heard it. And, and then I, I think in preparation for that cool, uh, festival, I, I, I bought the album. I, I bought, um, uh, beauty and the beat. It must've, I think that came out probably in, let's see, when did that come out
2: 81? Uh, like what? Uh, oh, uh, what,
1: what month? Let, let's see. It's got. I'm. I'm at. The, I'll find it in a second here.
2: This is where. This is where you. You. You put me to shame on your recall. No, here, here, like this. here we go.
1: It was. Oh, it was. It was July. So it would have been like a month and a half before that. It came out uh, July eighth, and so um, I must have gotten the record just to kind of familiarize myself with with their music, and um, and I loved it i i just thought they were great and i mean every song on that record is to me is a hit mm-hmm. and then you've got the uh peter case co-writing that song tonight too so you got some uh you got some nerves Connection. adjacency yeah. there yeah, yeah.
2: it's it, that's what i mean like you've like it's such a like coming together of of like the scene you know the fact that you do have that nerves connection you do have this germs connection as we talked about you have this connection all the texas stuff and then and then the the danger house stuff like all this stuff seems kind of like i don't know like i'm looking at it obviously separated by years and and miles geographically but like it all does seem like it's kind of coalescing through the go-go's
1: yeah yeah the the, um no other band really hit it that big out of that world really yeah. i mean like x x never had any like hit hits um plimsolls i mean was that a hit uh, a million miles away
2: not like these hits right these are like these are like those hits that that like you're, you, my 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 parents know you know these are the hits that just right. transcend genre yeah yeah it's it's also like so weird when you kind of like think about how short this run is that this band has you know like you're you're they're going in with the Foo Fighters and a lot of people I've heard like being like oh why the Foo Fighters going in the Foo Fighters have had like a a 20 some odd year run the Go-Go's right. did all this in like four years five years four years yep yeah
1: and and I think part of it is is because it was five women I mean that really hadn't happened there had been you know, there bands like Fanny and, and 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 the Runaways but but um no one really had this kind of massive success on on w- what I would consider their own terms. Like there was no, there was no ha- you know, in place. There was mm-hmm. like, Miles Copeland was not writing these songs. You know, they they were doing it themselves and and um, you know, incredibly self contained.
2: I think it's always weird how it's like. It seems like every band that makes it, it's always the band that all the local people were kind of like not expecting it to happen with like all the people around it. Like it really feels like a lot of vitriol being thrown at the go-go's in those punk history books.
1: Right. But you know, it's, it's tough because they, they had the goods, they had the songs. Not that X didn't. I mean, X has some of the greatest songs of all time, but they're, they, it's just not, it's not that same kind of appeal. Like you're not going to hear the hungry wolf on, on the radio.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. And And it's like, it takes an artist that, like, is willing to to comp- not compromise, you know, in any sort of, like, deep sort of, like, spiritual way, but, like, to compromise their sound enough to kind of find a sound that doesn't just hit with people that are in the know, but hits with everybody. Like, right. like you know, like, the Dickies weren't going to do it. <laughs> like, it's also funny when you right? think about the bands that signed the major labels. You got X who did it years later. You have uh, the Dickies, and then you got the Go-Go's. Like, it's really... None of these other bands were signed to majors, like in the same way that the New York bands were.
1: Yeah, and isn't there some kind of? I feel like there's a connection between Leonard Graves and the Go Go's. Was was maybe? I feel like maybe Charlotte dated Leonard at some point, something like that. And I I thought they even maybe wrote something, but maybe not. Maybe not. Oh, I wonder
2: if they did at some point write something. I don't know um and i guess the the other band that's that's going in this year is the foo fighters who once again to me maybe not sound doesn't sound like it but really you do have like a voltron coming together of like the pacific northwest hardcore scene the la first wave hardcore punk scene the i guess post first wave discord stuff the revolution summer discord kind of era stuff and and it's and uh I think that's it. I think I've got them. Oh no, wait. No, I know his name. You, left, no username, you left
1: out the you, you left out the biggest one.
2: <laughs> oh, Nirvana. Nirvana too. The fa- the
1: Fart Blossom connection.
2: Oh, the Fart Blossom. Yes, yeah, so of course. Drain well, Bramage.
1: Wasn't wasn't Dane Bramage on Fart Blossom?
2: They were. Dane Bramage was absolutely thank you. I can't believe I messed up on that, John. <laughs> thank you for saving me on that one. Of course, Fart Blossom, one of the greatest record labels ever, you know, <laughs> like right. And now there's going to be a mention of them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like that's the thing to me about the Foo Fighters. It's all the, all the other baggage that's being brought in there at the same time. Like, you know, for the first time ever, we have a band in the rock and roll hall of fame featuring members that silk silkscreened manila envelopes to put their records in. That's right. That, that happened. You know? Yeah. Yeah. My, my, um,
1: my second punk rock show was, uh, I don't know if I, I think I think we talked about this. This is this is the uncoolest thing ever. I, I saw the Quincy Punk episode, I think on a, thir- on, a on a Wednesday, and then I think the, the on Friday I saw uh the Dead Kennedys uh with Toxic Reasons. And then I think I think it was the next day or maybe the next weekend. Toxic Reasons, Scream and a couple other bands at this dive in Philly. But I was at the Mercy of the guy that drove me and he wanted to leave early and we didn't get to see, see scream. So I, I don't know. I don't know if Dave would have been in the band at that point. It, it would have been like June of 83.
2: No, I think that's still before he joins. Cause he's only on the record that never came out, I think. And, ah. and the last record. Okay. Their, their last record that never came, it was actually supposed to come out on kind of like a weird Def jam offshoot. Hmm. but it, it folded beforehand but and uh that's when he was left stranded out there and uh you know got the call after uh brian Walsby, according to legend which was a i've just kind of built up on the show over the years uh turned it down and and, and i Wals- guess dale did too oh okay Br- brian
1: Walsby has always been one of my favorite drummers to watch he I, I, and i think he would admit this i don't think he's ever broken a stick it, it's <laughs> it, it's the greatest technique like he's he he, he it, it's not like he's a soft hitter but the way he plays is like it's so relaxing even even though he's playing like punk and stuff it's just, i can't even describe it other than that it's just like a very very um soothing drumming style
2: so <laughs> I I think drumming is, I think, well, I think that's the thing. It's like, you can't appreciate drumming unless you're a drummer. Like I love sitting and watching another drummer play with Jonah and he can kind of break down why Bill Stevenson is an amazing drummer to me, like in a different way than I can appreciate as just a fan, like in the same way that you're breaking down Brian as a different kind of player than I would ever see, you know, I'd be like, yeah, I never even thought about that, but yeah, that's pretty, pretty amazing for a drummer not to break sticks. Like it's, you got, you got to find a certain way to hit.
1: Yeah. And, um, I guess you could say that about every everyone who plays an instrument. Everyone has their own touch. They're, they're wired in a different way. Like, listen to Dan Peters on, um, uh, what's he on, Sliver? Is that right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, and and of course, all the Mudhoney stuff. And I can hear him and know immediately that's Dan Peters. It's just, he has his own thing. And it's so different than what Dave does. And um, it's just very... It's an interesting thing that, that those two guys were in the same band. And to me, they sound really different too in, in, uh, they make the bands. They made Nirvana sound very different in both of their, their incarnations.
2: Yeah. It's like funny. Cause like, I always think about this with the Melvins, like the bass player is kind of the perfect slot that you can bring someone in and out of because they will change the way the band plays, but not mm-hmm. in the same way that it will fundamentally completely change the Sonics like a drummer will.
1: Right, right. And Dale is, is, you know, I mean, Dale to me is is that band in a way. Like, I mean, his, his, he, he's so singular in his style and sound that you just, I mean, it's inconceivable to, for him n- not to play in the band. Ha- have they ever done shows without him? Like, has he been sick or something?
2: God, I'm trying to think. Well, they've done shows where Dale plays, because um, like the original drummer was not Dale, right? Like on the very, very first demo stuff and then Dale joined the band so they've done I think it's called Melvin's 83 when they do it and oh, cool Dale will uh will go to bass and then they get the original drummer to come back and play
1: interesting that's really cool
2: wow yeah that band seems to have like a, a real kind of fun way of keeping it interesting for the people of the band too
1: oh my God have you seen that that great documentary where where they, they play 50 states in 50 days
2: i I had it already queued up and then something happened i didn't watch it i have not gone back to but i need to watch that thing
1: it's really fun and that version of the band is something weird also it's like um it's the two you know it's buzz and and dale and and the bass player i think is playing like an upright bass or maybe even he's like playing it like a cello or something (laughs) it's it's uh it's not like a regular bass so uh it might even be even be called Melbourne's Light or something like
0: that.
2: Okay, yeah, I remember they yeah. did the when they did Toronto. They did, they came to Toronto one time on the Small Amps tour, and they had all just oh, like the little I tiny amps.
0: That's
2: that <laughs> <Yeah>. not <sounds> great. <gasps> it was awesome. It's just like every yeah, like oh yeah, like you don't have to tour in a prescribed way. You can keep it interesting. No. In they way. do it. They <laughs> do it. <laughs> they definitely do. And like a lot of connections, weirdly, with the Foo Fighters in that band, like not just Dave getting, of course, the call to join Nirvana from them originally, but also like Nate's done some records, I think where Dale played on them. And so there Mm -hmm. is like a lot of sort of, I guess, Pacific Northwest kind of connection. Right. Right.
1: And I'm going to be honest. I I don't know a ton about the Foo Fighters, but I know, I know Chris was in a, in like one of those, those, uh, those clicky kick
2: drum bands, right? Well, Chris has, was also in a mystic band. Oh, my God, which one? He was in Rat uh, Rat Pack, but I think he was in when they became a glam metal band. You know, like all those bands eventually, not all of them, obviously, but like a lot of those bands eventually discovered the glam uh, problem and, and gotten a glam, and they were one of them. And I believe that was the era he was in. But he told me, and I, I hope I'm not making this up, but I remember him telling me, I think, that he did record at Mystic Studios for some band when he was a younger kid.
1: I need to know every element of any interaction with Doug Moody. <laughs>
2: he's def- he's got to be in the hall of fame. Like that is definitely like, why is there not a special award for that guy going in?
1: <laughs> Who is the band? I, it has to be no effects. was the band that these guys had the greatest album titles of all time. Did they do so? What if we're on mystic
2: or is that yeah, somebody else? They did. They did. So what if we're on mystic
1: <laughs> and what's the other one? 53 it's like 52 songs that weren't good enough for our other albums that's the greatest <laughs>
2: thing ever <laughs> but that's that that's also going in with the foo fighters right you got i think this is definitely the first fat records affiliated band going in yes so we got a lot john we got the first minila screened envelope sleeve band we got the first Epifat artists going in there's yeah. a lot and also i i gotta re- I, I might be mistaken on this but also the first member of a straight edge hardcore band going in because Nate Mendelson, before Nate Mendels, before he played in uh Sunday real estate, uh, was mm-hmm. originally in brotherhood. The one of the greatest straight edge hardcore bands ever.
1: Were they, were they from the Pacific Northwest?
2: Yeah, they're from Seattle. Um, and it also featured Greg from Sun. Oh, it just totally when say, raging.
1: When I heard brotherhood, I thought it was one of those bands that's like, uh, Jim Wilber from Superchunk does this great imitation of a uh of an actual onstage utterance he heard at at the anthrax gallery back near ladies <laughs> this, is for, this, is, this is for my brother Brian Brian this is for you my brother
2: <laughs> I think brotherhood probably had some impassioned speeches like that going on on stage as well yeah. but the thing that I'm also fascinated by is like those kids did not like the grunge scene did not like Nirvana stuff at all yeah like they thought right. it was kind of like Nirvana. They thought it was like Led Zeppelin and and butt Rocky, and it was that's like kind of a... what
1: I yeah. That's what I thought too. I mean, really? I, I I Pearl Jam that stuff. It, it all seemed like it just it, it didn't seem like too many steps away from like Foghat to me. <laughs> <laughs> like I I just thought a lot of that stuff was it all. It all seemed major label. Everybody was going for it. Like it, there didn't seem a, I mean I. I get that those bands came from Punk, Green River, et cetera, but it it always felt to me like there was way more we want to be on the radio, we want to you know, we want to like you said, be the new butt rockers or something
2: yeah, definitely, it's so funny to think that, you know, all this stuff is kind of coming from the same place there, but then at a certain point, a bunch of people were like yo, let's just, let's just go for it and there's really like no model that they're following like I guess Maybe it's Jane's addiction, but like, had anyone kind of made it at that point enough to be like, okay, this could work. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I didn't get that. Nico case once said to to me, (laughs) she goes. You were too old to be into Jane's Addiction, weren't you? And, and she, she was right. <laughs> I, 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 she was right.
2: <laughs> well, then me too, John. I'm too old too.
1: <laughs>
2: it's amazing. When Nico was on the show, she talked about seeing, uh, I think it's the Aurora Ballroom show Nirvana played, like one of those legendary you know nirvana when they're kind of just blowing up locally kind of shows right yeah and she talked about how it was like this sort of completely awesome transcendent show and she was just like so moved yeah. by it and then nate was from the foo fighters was on the podcast i'm like Do you ever see nirvana he's like i think i did once at the aurora ballroom and i'm like oh what, wow. what'd you think he's like i opened the door looked in and said oh they're trying to be led zeppelin cool and and walked away
1: <laughs> yeah i i saw i saw them at the cat's cradle uh on the nevermind tour it was, it was the week i joined Superchunk, and um saw about half of it and and I turned to the guy next to me who was like my age and and we both just kind of shrugged and was like, yeah yeah pretty good and, and, and I think I left at that point. like it was I didn't I don't know I, I, I think I, since I'd already seen the Ramones and the Clash and the the DC hardcore bands, it't it, it, didn't, it didn't just knock me out like it did a lot of people for some reason.
2: Did you like the Wipers? Were you a fan of the Wipers by that point? Had you heard them?
1: I, I'd heard them, but but uh, not a, a huge fan. No, really, you don't like them even to this day? I, I I probably haven't heard enough. We actually covered at a Sharpling and Worcester show in Portland. We did a a, a cover of a song <laughs> with the band, and I can't remember what what song it was. Nico, Nico actually picked the song for me. I can't remember what it was though. If you said it, it would ring a bell
2: i'm trying to think what song that could be that i, don't, I have no idea though that is awesome i yeah. had no idea what you guys every night because i know i know uh tom likes the first record right he
1: you know he's never mentioned the wipers to me come to think of, oh it. no
2: i'm sorry i'm sorry i meant nirvana sorry i, I jumped back oh nirvana. he
1: loves yes oh oh my god he reps so hard for for, for that that uh, uh for bleach and um he's i think he saw them at, at least once or twice at Maxwells with uh, with Chad and um, Chad. Who was the fourth? Uh, uh, who
2: was
1: uh? Well, the fourth. There were four piece at one point.
2: Yeah, I'm trying Wait, to remember the guy yeah. Mike.
1: Uh, Chad Channing.
2: The other guitar player. What's his name? Um...
1: I feel like it begins with an N. Maybe not.
2: Oh, that's why I thought Mike, maybe, but maybe I'm wrong on
1: that. I love that we're talking about possibly the biggest band of, <laughs> uh, of, you know, of however many decades. And we don't, we
2: know so little about them or I did. <laughs> I know. I, I, you know what? I, I was never as big a fan. I think I became much more of a fan of them in, in sort of recent years than at the time. Like all my friends were super into them, uh, right. but just on a contrarian spirit, I was like, ah, nah, nah. Yeah. But I think uh, as time has gone on, I've I've kind of like I can see it now in a way that I couldn't before. Oh, Pat Smear was of course in the band J- for a while. Jason Jason Eberman.
1: Jason, Jason Everman that's
2: it. was Yeah. He was he was in very briefly. I guess he was second guitar. Um where did he Well, he's like a oh yeah, that's he's the one who became a special forces guy. I think so. Yeah, yeah. After playing in Mindfunk. Yep. Oh yes. <laughs> It's like I, I can't do this anymore. I gotta, I gotta join the army. I gotta, I can't get to be around Mind Funk.
1: Now, who was Mind Funk? Mind Funk wasn't like out from the ashes of of uh, of. Uh, oh, what's the band that had the biggest fall? Uh, the Straight Edge band.
2: Uniform Choice. Yes, is that it? It is Pat DeBar from Uniform Choice.
1: Yes. Oh, I, I, I would, I would read a five hundred page book about about uniform choice have and still having never heard them you've never heard them i don't think so
2: oh i love that band so much but when chris murphy was on the show he ruined them for me because he's like yeah i, I always hated uniform choice because the vocals to me sounded like someone sending an sos message
0: <laughs>
1: and then when they these photos of them in in, in their their latter day uh staring at the sun uh, era yeah these flowing shirts and and they're wearing shoes like shiny shoes it's just the greatest and they're playing at like city gardens and and probably playing playing with like i don't know uh gorilla
2: biscuits or or,
1: uh, who knows (laughs) you know just kids hating it
2: it's so great i wonder what it would feel like to be you know one of those bands on that tour and just know like Oh boy, kids are gonna fucking hate this. Nothing to be discharged coming to America, you know, being right. like, oh man, people are in for
1: a rude awakening on this trip. At the at the farm in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh. There's a bootleg of that, I think, that came out recently where it's just Yeah, it's crazy. It's so good. I, I oh, think my God. I kind of admire that now. Like I think, you know, at the time, of course, I, I you know, I looked at all those bands and all those records being like, oh, that's garbage. But now it's like to be a band like that, and just be like, you know what? Let's just throw it all away. Let's just yeah ruin it for everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah. And my understanding of uniform choices like that they were really popular too. Like they could have, they could have like popped nationwide. It had they had they kept going in in that that kind of minor thready straight edge
2: direction. Yeah yeah like they had like you know there's obviously those shows out in california They sometimes would play to like 600 700 people type thing and they yeah. you know prior to youth of today and that whole stuff popping off they were like sort of the big i guess national straight edge band like the first one out there
0: yeah
2: and they connect super heavy to that scene too like youth of today and all the uh the california stuff but like you know once again now we have a straight edge representation in the rock and roll hall of fame through the foo fighters but even though finally Nate wasn't straight edge at the time, and they wouldn't let him be considered an official member of the band because he wasn't straight edge and because he wore a no effect shirt. I love it. Yeah. They- I,
1: I, I, I love little, little rules like that, that 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 are iron ironclad. also.
2: <laughs> yeah, Greg, apparently when Nate was on the show, he said that Greg uh, asked him like, hey, okay, you want to be in Brotherhood? And he's like, yeah, it's like, okay, well, you're not an official member because you're not straight edge because you, you got a no effect shirt on. And they made him take off the no effect shirt before a gig one time and change it. Apparently,
1: was was he on a record? And if so, was he listed as, be, as being a member?
2: No, he's listed on like the on this recording. Brotherhood is, and he's listed as the player on that part of the record. Wow! Oh my god! <laughs> but not the other. Yeah, it's definitely That's right. And I think he wasn't allowed to do the tour because. He wasn't. I. I'm now. I might be putting words into it, but there was a lot of, a lot of uh, restrictions put on poor Nate with Brotherhood at some point. Oh. <laughs> um. But then also with the Vuvuzelas, we got a, a germ going in too. And so this is like, as you we were discussing, off air, two potentially three germs going in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yes. be- <laughs> because Charlotte did fill in um, for Lorna on a couple gigs for the Germs. Yep.
1: And Belinda, what is? said to be the
2: the first drummer yep and then of course pat smear going in as yes. well which is uh i kind of feel like this is obviously as close as we're going to get you know the fact that the mc5 isn't in the rock and roll hall of fame i don't think i'm going to hold my breath for the germs getting in but this is as close as i think we're going to get to a germs hall of fame year i
1: i think you're right but i i think next year we could look forward to it. If 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 not Dave Marsh being uh, inducted, uh, <laughs> at, at least one or two members of the East
2: Street Band road crew. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wasn't uh, was Joan Jett inducted already? I think she was. Yes. Well, yeah. then the Germs producers in, and the Germs aren't. So <laughs> it holds. Oh my God!
1: How are the MC5
2: not not in? It's it's insane. And the Dolls it seems like it's harder to get into than like the baseball hall of fame. Cause it seems on that thing, you get a couple years that you're on the ballot, but for this, if you don't get in on your ballot year, forget about it. Like no one, no one's right. bringing it back on there again.
1: I, I was listening to a really good interview with um, this San Francisco rock critic, Joel Selvin, who's written some good books over the years. And um, he was talking about how he had his, uh, his voting privileges removed. Uh <laughs> because he kept voting for you know like he he, he would vote for charlie Patton. he would vote yeah. for you know for people that were, were considered just too old like they wanted to the hall of fame really wanted this to be more of a contemporary thing and uh he just said one day he he, he got a, a letter saying he wasn't a voter anymore
2: <laughs> sorry you spoiled your ballots too many times yeah, that, yeah. that's how democracy works you didn't, yep. you didn't vote the way you should have. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, it's just, it's so, you know, and obviously I'm very excited for this because these, you know, especially in the case of the Go-Go's, like I'm, I'm happy that these bands are being celebrated. And like, like yeah. we said, like they're going to be appreciated now as songwriters, hopefully um, a little bit more by certain people. But at the same time, like, yeah, like to to have like a building that's for all of music, the best music from all over the world. And only five people can go in per year. That's there's right. going to be a lot of oversight yeah i uh i i definitely i don't know i think from now i f- i think this is going to be the the year because i can't think of you know like it's not like as you said like there's not bands that are bigger than this you know that are going to be coming up until you get to the nirvanas i yeah, oh, not Nirvanas, or i guess like green days and offsprings
1: well one one big one that didn't make it, and I was really surprised that they didn't make it, Iron Maiden. P- possibly, like, one of the biggest bands in the world for the last 20 years.
2: Yeah. You know? How, yeah. How,
1: how did they not get in?
2: But Motorhead's not in there, too, right? Like, they just hate metal. Yeah. Is Sabbath in? Black Sabbath's got to be in there, right? Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. And the Sex Pistols turned it down? Yes. Yeah. <sighs> You want to hate that band, but they keep doing things that are just you know, like, yeah, right on. These here. These guys being like, oh, yeah, let's still turn this thing down.
1: But, you know, Glenn Matlock was so bummed about
2: that. There's no <laughs>
1: way he didn't. He didn't <laughs> want to do that. You just got to wait for the rich
2: kids here. The rich kids are going to have their year eventually. That's right. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then He's going to be in or, or the Spectres, I think, was his band after that. But, yeah, no, it, if I imagine for, you know, I imagine probably not everyone in the band was consulted on that decision before the press release was sent out. Oh, oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Oh. When they put you in, do they put you in with like your whole lineup or is it only like a certain it's, given lineup? It's
1: apparently really random. Like uh uh KISS uh begrudgingly was let in a, a few years ago and you know, they, they've they had all these members forever, you know, like they mm-hmm. they had got, they've had guys in the band who've been in way longer than the original four, but it was just the original four. And then you've got like, um, oh, there was someone just recently where like everybody who was ever in the band got in. It's
2: So weird. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder if the band gets a decision if they contact the, like the corporate entity entity of the band and they're just like, yeah, only only these people are going in for this. I thing. think
1: you're told. I think you're told who, who, who's going in, and uh, like there was something with Deep Purple where, where maybe the guy that sang on their first couple hits, which were big hits like Hush and something else, he didn't get in. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think Black Sabbath was only the four. Like Ronnie James Dio didn't get in. Which is understandable, but I mean, but they they were big with him too.
2: Has Joy Division ever been nominated a new order? I wonder if they put them in together. I can't imagine.
1: I mean, can you imagine Eddie Trunk? Eddie Trunk seeing that on a ballot, (laughs) and like, (laughs) I mean, I I was amazed. He he, Eddie Trunk. for, For those who don't know, Eddie Eddie Trunk is this New Jersey. Per, dj personality guy who he's like the the last man standing uh holding the hair metal flag yeah and and he he uh he puts in the work i give it to him he puts in the work but um so he he posted his ballot the other day or, or a, a few weeks ago and i was amazed he did vote for devo so uh anything's possible
2: i guess it. i guess like you know even he has to admit that you know, I'm shocked they didn't get in. I'm like, that's, that is, I didn't even think about that till you know, you you said it, but like, oh, that's so weird. Yeah. Like, there's not going to be Devo. And like, I guess, you know, it makes sense the Go-Go's going in, but I can't think of other new wave bands that are going to, are B-52s in there yet? I can't imagine. Yeah. Like, I guess no No, one else will be going in.
1: No, of of all those bands, Devo, Devo seems to be the one because like, no matter like who who you are of a certain age, like, you know devo like my mother knows devo and she's mm-hmm. 80 84 she's heard of devo a- and uh um but yeah you you're not going to find a- another band the pretenders are already in um
2: who, yeah who else it's wild the you know it's it's the pretenders going in before any of these other bands too but yeah. i guess i guess they had more kind of like hit hits
1: yeah, and Neil Young I- I inducted them. So, I mean, that's that's major, too. Yeah. Um, and um, that's the next question. Who's going to induct these people?
2: <sighs> yeah. Uh, Got it. Like, <laughs> there's so many people that would be hilarious to think about inducting. I just, hope Tom,
1: I just hope Tom Morello's in there at some point.
2: I'm sure. I'm sure they just have, like, a, a speed dial. They're like... <laughs> Yo, you're, you're around you for this weekend. Cause yeah. yep. we need you to, you know, I'll, has Rollins ever done an induction for someone? I don't think so. I think, uh, I mean,
1: he would be the guy for, now I'm wondering if he might've done, has Iggy been in as himself and the Stooges? I think,
2: I think he Stooges... might be double. Really? I wonder if he, I don't know. It I don't know. That'd don't be know. so incredible. If Iggy pops in it twice, <laughs> and like the F C right. five isn't in it at all. Yeah. <laughs> and all well the other- weird
1: one the weird one also is he he's and he's not in you know, he I think the Sto- the Stooges were inducted and I do think that Scott Thurston, who, who was the latter day was he a bass player or a guitar player in the Stooges? Um I think he might have played guitar, right? Bass.
2: Oh did he play bass after what he,
1: or something? I, I'm thinking it no, this is before that oh, before, I, think yeah, of course, been, yeah. I think he might have been the bass player when James Williamson I- in that era possibly okay. so he got in with the Stooges and then he's he was also a member of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers <laughs> and and he, he definitely played with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers at their induction but I don't think he got inducted with, with them. But that that's two very different bands to be to be in there with. I, I think that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. I wonder I wonder how many other people have two entries in there as well, like two uh double placeholders in that thing because Yeah, I don't know. There's so people getting so few people getting in. It's it's uh wow. Yeah, I wonder I wonder if Rollins I'd love to see Jerry A induct the go-go's. Can you imagine? It'd be awesome. He pulls a blade job at the podium yeah. while inducting him. Oh my god. Uh,
1: I assume I assume Billy Joe will induct the go-go's.
2: That makes sense. Or yeah cuz do they have they never have past winners do it, right? Oh, I don't know. That I don't know. I, I wonder if you get like like Phoebe Bridgers or someone like younger to induct the mm-hmm. the Go-Go's. But you're right. right, Billy Joe just seems like someone who would be on their radar. Yeah. And just like, "Hey Billy, you like the Go-Go's?" Then you had like the replacements were on on the ballot one year. Yeah.
1: Has Husker do you ever been on the ballot? no no what? and that's the one it, it's so interesting because like both those bands super influential i would say Hoosters were maybe even a little more influential in, definitely. in some way
2: definitely you know yeah yeah like i guess they didn't have like that that like kind of like alt-rock radio single right. type thing but like yeah just in terms of like album output and stuff like that well you yeah. already you know my feelings on this issue i'm very partisan i think anyone that listens to this podcast knows my feelings on this issue but like yeah i would i definitely agree with you on who's going to like like so influential like just beyond the scope yep but uh, that's uh that's <laughs> now, now has black flag ever been on the ballot i doubt it
1: i doubt it but that's that's a good one too i mean that I can't think of a more influential band of that thing, you know, hardcore, whatever you want to call that.
2: Oh, I'd love to see what lineup gets inducted. It'd be amazing. If it's like Mike Vileli, the, the, when they had the, the computer that played bass, cause they didn't get a real bass player. So they just had like a, yeah,
1: yeah, a bass yeah. machine. <laughs> yep. Dale Nixon, get in there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I had a friend from Toronto who took a bus to los angeles to go to that reunion and that was like you know in the in the heady days where before the internet was really you know like the big thing it is now so you you didn't have a lot of information so you're just relying on word of mouth and it's like it's oh, everybody rollins. everybody Everyone. in
1: the band's gonna be there yeah
2: they're all gonna be there <laughs> oh, rollins is there you know, <laughs> and he gets I there gi- <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: i give greg ginn credit for Coming up with the the worst possible way to do that. Like normally, you would have the drum machine. Like the the drums are pre recorded, but to have the bass be the thing that's pre recorded, <laughs> like it's just an invitation for massive, massive fuck ups.
2: And it's also like, like, there's no one you can find. It seems like the no. b- finding a bass player seems to be the big issue because that was also that kid. That answer, answer that ad on Craigslist and ended up oh, auditioning. Oh, that's such a good one. Yeah, was it? Yeah. He was he was auditioning to be the bass player as well. So it seems like that's a hard position for that band to fill. Yeah, can you imagine? Oh. It would be amazing if that kid went in, huh. like some kid who went to one random audition <laughs> with that band on bass. Gre-
1: yeah, Gre- Greg a- Anthony
2: uh, <laughs> on on drums. <laughs>
1: um,
2: Mike valeli on vocals, or Mike, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was a, he, and then he left for a while and I think he was just managing the band and that's when, um, uh, Ron Reyes came in and started singing for them again. Oh, okay. And okay. they did that album with the, the artwork. There's so many great lineups. Like that would be an amazing thing just to see the backstage. Like I would love to hear the backstage stories of like the Ramones all having to be in the same room again together.
1: Oh my God. Can you imagine
2: <laughs> poor,
1: poor Monty having to having to deal with that uh, just oh oh na- she... night nightmare
2: yeah just the uh well that was also the that's the johnny ramon god bless uh george bush moment god too, when... jo- george george bush <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then Dee, Dee, thank you Dee. Dee i love you <laughs> 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 and then you see the you see footage of that night, you know, uh, in in end of the century, the the documentary, and they're it's about the film's about to end, and they're they're having a celebratory thing in in a very night, you know, probably in the Waldorf Astoria, and uh, and they scan the room, and there in the middle of it is Jerry only in full outfit. <laughs> I just love it, just just showing up pumped up did did his push-ups his his reps and then and then went
2: put the gear on flew had to fly with the gear too and his luggage (laughs) and everything yeah i was actually watching his uh his he did a wrestling match against this wrestler dr death steve williams and (laughs) according to legend uh he was at he's in the bathroom and he's peeing and dr death comes in and he turns he goes dr death i'm really happy to meet you i want to shake your hand and uh, Doctor Death just looks down in his hand. He's like, "I'll mm. see you in the ring, brother," and then just yes. went out and just was not not very kind to Jerry. Only right. Oh my god! It it, it is. Uh, you know, I, I think that that makeup is is also like a suit of armor at a certain level. Yeah, and so.
1: But th- that's also a band. I mean, yeah. Is there is, is there a more influential band than the Misfits at this point? Uh, in that in that world.
2: I wonder if it's like one of those things where it's just not on, you know, like the, on the radar, not on the radar. Yeah. Like these people just yeah. don't see it because like, yeah, the Misfits just played sold out stadiums, <laughs> like on yeah. their return, you know? And it's not like Fugazi will ever get on the ballot. No. And they'll bring him Fugazi. Maybe Bikini right. Kill. I could see that happening. Maybe. Um, I'm trying to think of like some other, like that kind of world of artists, but... I don't know. This might be the, this might be it, John. This might be the punkest year ever. My, it, it, unless Marginal Man
1: uh stages a comeback, <laughs> we'll see.
2: Well, this this I hope just starts the the watershed for all the bands on ebullition. Let all the bands, let the bands that silk screen paper towels as covers for their 7-inches get in there.
1: That's it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so,
2: hey,
1: you know the uh uh the crew just came out in some sort of uh gatefold format. So maybe that's going to put uh put 7 seconds in the
2: in the, uh, the view of, of the voters. We'll see. The new wind wing, like a whole <laughs> wing just dedicated to, I guess Rage machine will probably go in at some point. Right. Oh yes.
1: I think so. Yeah.
2: So that will also allow like, that'll be Southern uh, California straight edge going in at that year. Yes. So we've got a couple more, a couple more years to celebrate this kind of stuff, but yeah, like it's, it's so, I can't believe Devo didn't go in. And I guess the Runaways must be in, or Joan Jett must be in.
1: I think she, it's own. just her. I don't. Th- I don't think the band is in there.
2: Man, I, I gotta go. Have you been?
1: I've been a few times. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always fun. Like I, I love artifacts and things. Yeah. I, so I, I like, I like to see that stuff. But um, um, and my friend w- Warren Zanes, who was in the Del Fuegos, he, uh, he was kind of the um, what would you call it? He, he was like the a director there like he was kind of in charge of it for for a while in the uh maybe in the late 90s or the early 2000s or something so I think he was my little connection there
2: um so uh that's yeah, awesome it's fun. It's fun. I, heard, I heard you can go to it for free as a musician like a touring musician
1: that sounds right yeah and they and I think bands play in it too like they have a, a stage out front and and you play um but it's got it. it it's got uh, Paul Paul smashed bass or it did, which I know
2: you uh would love to see. Paul, I would love in. to. I would love to see that artifact. You know, I. I you know, what's so funny, because um, you know that guy Brian Ray Turcott. Do you know Brian? He did that book. No, he He he's got. Oh, fucked up a photocopy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got yeah. without a doubt like. If there's a punk rock hall of fame, he's got mostly exhibits in his possession right now. Like he's got Johnny Thunder's leather jacket from the back of the New York Dolls record. He's got like wow. an autograph coaster from the Queen's Jubilee uh cruise ship wow. show signed by Sid Vicious. Like wow, just most in, in incredible, uh just just the level of stuff this guy has. And he the other day he posted on his IG uh Paul's base all smashed up in this case and I'm like did he somehow acquire this for the rock and roll oh my god or something wow (laughs) so I don't know if they're moving it or if he just you know saw it somewhere but yeah he's got you know that's what I that's what I'm most excited about this is because there's going to be some pretty cool artifacts in a place like this from the go-go's and stuff like that so you know it's now you know going there and being able to see all these sorts of things and you know they're going to make reference to some of these old bands like the Techstones. The text tones might yeah. be referenced in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now. Uh, I think so. So well, John, this has been awesome. And anytime you want to come back and I can just learn and leech off your knowledge, please know. You know, you 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 are the inspiration for this thing.
1: It goes it goes both ways.
2: Awesome. Just stopping.